Welcome everyone to this episode of Palmetto Guardian. The weather is changing, the holidays are right around the corner, and we're going to talk about some information that you should look out for during the holiday season. Welcome everyone, I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And we are back into another podcast. We're turning through them left and right, it seems like. Um, but on the upside, at least, it has uh, kind of cooled down outside. Yes. It feels really nice out today. Yeah, it is. It is, And good. it's sunny. Because, like, the last couple of days, it was gloomy and rainy. I'm and... fine with gloomy and rainy. Oh, okay. Well, then, I mean, you can go curl up in your little hole. and no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that's sleeping weather right there. Yeah, little, little... Exactly. It makes you want to sleep. Oh, yeah. That's my second favorite thing to do in life. Oh, God. What's your first? Eating. Oh, okay. No. (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, um, yeah, no, it's starting to cool down. Fall's kicking in. We're we're about to bust into the holiday season here. Um, This year has flown by so fast. I know. It's insane. It's going to keep going like this, too. I know. It's like each year that passes, it goes by faster and faster. It's called old age, Baker. Yeah, I know. But I'll never get now, up. Now that you're older than me. That is a lot. <laughs> you know what it feels like. Um, but, uh, no, nah, holidays are, are coming around. We got Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and boom, we're into 2020. Yep. And then start it all over again. We'll start all over again. Um, <clears throat> you know, families start getting together. You know, Halloween, yeah, maybe. Uh, Thanksgiving, yeah, pretty common. Christmas, huh? that that becomes a, a marathon race for a lot of people. <laughs> How many households can you get to in like a 48-hour period? Yeah. Um, they should have some TV show on it or something. like Reality show. Yeah, like Christmas Survivor Edition or Survivor <laughs> Christmas Edition. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then New Year's or whatever. So tensions and stuff start, you know, people get anxious, irritated, whatever. It starts... Starts flaring up, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to get this for Christmas. I got to get this. We got to cook here, and then we got to be there. And we got to go to your aunt's house and your uncle's house and your cousin's house and your next-door neighbor's dog's house. And, <laughs> oh. um, <clears throat> I'm pretty established on the holidays. I'm not going to be here over Thanksgiving. I know. I'm so jealous. Everybody knows. I don't. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas, I go two places. Yeah, two places. Yeah, go to my dad's. I had to double <laughs> yeah, check. I was say. I had to double check. I was like, wow. Maybe, <laughs> what maybe, do I do? Maybe I do go more. Uh, no, I mean, uh, well, three if you want to count my house because we do something at my house in the mm-hmm. morning and then my mom's all, that afternoon on Christmas Day and then I do my father and his whole family. My whole family. They're still my family, whatever. <laughs> my dad's side of the family mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Um, but it can be stressful. Tensions start running high. Um, a lot of medical issues. Yeah. <clears throat> Happen around through this time of the year. Anxieties through the roof, blood pressure. <laughs> blood pressure, salty foods. Cholesterol. Cholesterol. Um, and something else people don't really consider is this might be the first time of the year that the grandkids are seeing the grandparents. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, our kids are plague carriers. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> because they are. They're a little like plague rats. Um, uh, Kids go to school. They snot. They sneeze. They oh yeah, it's true. They touch door handles, and they have a relative amount of immunity to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the parents. I mean, we may or may not get sick from it, but 
you know, we see a lot, because like I said, I used to work in the hospitals and stuff. You see a lot of elderly people come in around this time of year. Mm-hmm. Colder weather. Yeah, their bodies help. don't handle it as well. Don't, don't help. And then you got the little plague rats running around everywhere, toting <laughs> typhoid fever and whatever else. Who knows? No. But, you know, flu and, yeah. and things like that and the common cold. And so you, you do see an influx. So, you know, be vigilant on yes. it, you know, make sure they're. They're scrubbing their hands and sanitizing and all that kind of good, fun stuff. And, you know, if you're, if you got a relative and you don't know maybe what their medical history is, like if you're a cousin or, or whatever, distant cousin, you're coming and seeing, you know, a uncle or something from the other side of the family that you might only see during Christmas. Well, you know, it's not a bad idea to have a clue. You know, they have some type of immune deficiency or are they allergic to certain things? I know it seems like a lot of work, but if you know you have elderly people in your family around this time of year doing the holiday stuff, and especially if you have kids, mm-hmm. um, like I said, they're, they're little germ magnets. You know, <laughs> and then they pull it up. It's like they're like some kind of mutant. That's their superhero power, manipulation of germs. You know? <laughs> they're out in the backyard throwing their hands up. Oh I control gosh. all germs in the world. Bring them to me. Um <laughs> Your imagination's insane. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, just make sure that they... I mean, I get where you're coming from. I honestly never would have even thought of that because, I mean, there's just so much going on and it's just, like, so fast-paced and you're not thinking about those little small things. So, yeah, that definitely is a good tip for those that are listening and watching to look out for. And then, then here's the big kicker for the soldiers and airmen out there. Is if you haven't gotten your flu shot yet. Oh, man, you better get it because they're going to chase you down That's every right. year. Well, not only that, you know, if you don't have your flu shot and you're around the little plague carriers, they're, <laughs> they're going to run you down and cast a flu spell on you and be like, ah. They're going to give <laughs> you the cooties. Yeah, they literally. <laughs> we walk around, you know, dot, dot, and now you've had your cootie shot type thing. Um, <laughs> so be wary of the, the ones below three feet tall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not talking leprechauns, talking kids. Oh, my God. Stay focused, Baker. I'm I need trying. You, I need you to stay You're with going me. whole left field right now, I, I and I don't you, know how to deal with I, it. I need you to stay with me on this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, make uh, soldiers and airmen, make sure you go out and get your flu shot. Um, people with kids and elderly people in your family, um, try to take an extra precaution as you can. You don't want to get, you know, you want to give grandma a good present. You don't want it to be the flu. Um, no, not at all. Or, or whatever other germ the, the rug rat might be toting with them. So, um, <clears throat> make sure there's a lot of health concerns around this, this time of year. Uh, now we actually had a gentleman, uh, he's been on the show before, uh, Sergeant first class Allen. He came by and, and spoke with us and I had kind of a, a preconceived notion along to go with the medical issues and things like that that happened during this time of year. Cause firsthand I've seen them and any of my other medical folks out there that, work in hospitals or, or uh, urgent cares and things like that. They know you can get busy around this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought something else that went hand-in-hand hand with this time of year, along with this, the illness and stuff, was domestic violence type things. Um, <clears throat> after talking with him, which we'll, we'll speak with him a little bit later on, um, and some of the, the suicidal ideologies and things like that, um, they, he, he actually explains to us that there's actually a, a time of year that's um, much worse for those type of things, and I, I wouldn't have thought of it, and y'all learn along with us when, when we talk to him later um, about what time of year that is. Uh, with that being said, domestic violence is obviously a terrible thing, and the Guard 
does everything it possibly can to bring awareness to the situation, to educate uh, soldiers and airmen uh, about it, mm-hmm. uh, how to handle it, how to prevent it. Um, so once again, it, it goes back to our service member family care section and, and all the outstanding programs and stuff that they have. Uh, now, I I don't know if, you know, that's kind of funny. I was about to say, I don't know if I've known anybody that's been in a domestic violence situation, but a lot of times that stuff goes on and you don't know, and that's the exactly. whole Exactly. People try to hide it, yeah, because they don't want to get their, their significant other or their family member in trouble, but a lot of times, um, which I know you were talking about how there's a certain time of year whenever that stuff happens, but the holidays do bring out a different side of people because you're stressed out. You're around people that you're not typically around throughout the year and you might not like this person or they might not like you for something that happened. So, I mean, there's just always those little things that you have to look out for and it brings the holidays bring a little bit more stress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once again, other than me having issues with my throat right now, um, (laughs) We need little mugs or something yeah. with the logos. We talked about that, right? I know. Some, we need somebody that's listening or watching to come up with some kind of cool logo. Yeah, for the show or something. Sorry, we sidetracked there. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is very, very serious, very important to, to understand this type of stuff, the, the, the domestic violence and the sharp and the sexual harassment and all the stuff that we, and we've had those folks on the show. We're going to continue having those folks mm-hmm. on the show because... <clears throat> Education is probably one of the best ways to combat the situation. Um, I think we talked to somebody before when we were talking about how people, the the perpetrator or whatnot, the uh, person committing the crime sometimes doesn't think about it, doesn't know, you know. Or I know that sounds dumb um, or silly yeah. to say that, but, you know, we've seen it. We've, we've you know, we've heard the those excuses, for lack of a better term, um, you know, I didn't know, or I couldn't tell, or this, that, and everything in between. Um, <clears throat> but it's important to know. It's important to know. The education part is important, and it's important for every soldier and airman, because you might not be the one directly involved with the mm-hmm. situation. You might not be the victim and or the perpetrator of of the action, but you might be a bystander that needs to to know what to do. Yeah. I think a lot of times what happens is, People see it going on, but they're too afraid to say something because they might not want to make a scene. They might not want to create confrontation. And it sucks because you should know right from wrong. I mean, everybody should know yes from no and all that stuff. But sometimes they might, like you were saying, they might not realize that it's affecting somebody the way it is. But for somebody on the outside that's just standing there watching it happen, it's. I think that a lot of people just have a hard time of stepping up and saying something and saying you're in the wrong, like, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely it's not just educating on to prevent it, but also to see the signs so you can help intervene. Um, I'm going to bring up a story that actually happened to my son, and this is not directly down the same line. It's not a a sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. domestic violence thing. Um, but when we talk about the bystander type thing in the situation, um, son passed a, a note in class. She shouldn't have been doing it to begin with. Mm-hmm. We've had they're that. still doing that. I, know, I mean, I we have like, cell phones now. <laughs> right. I know they have cell phones at school. I don't know. I think they're still using parchment. <laughs> but anyway, passed a little note to a girl in school and, um, 
got the little girl excited. Uh, wasn't anything overly negative. It was just the statement. And she wanted to know who sent the note. And, of course, my son thought it was funny not to say that I sent the note. And so he sat there until this little girl kind of got in a tizzy. Well, she didn't go to the 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 principal and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Another young lady that was in the class with them saw that this young girl was upset by the situation. She actually approached the counselors and whatever. Now, the situation was resolved. It was no harm, no foul. Um, little girl, once she realized that my son had sent the note, she was like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just David. Um, <laughs> I think that's a theme for everybody with that name in my family line. Um, but anyway, but the point was of that, why that ties in, is because the other little girl was in a tizzy. She didn't go uh, herself mm-hmm. and, 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 and talk to the counselor about the situation that was bothering her, but a bystander in the class did. Mm-hmm. And it got resolved. Like I said, it was no harm, no foul once everything was said and done. But until she was able to confront David, for lack of better terms, and say, hey, you know, yes, I, Little was like, yeah, I sent the note. And once she found that out, she was perfectly okay with the situation. But it was that extra person that stepped in that, mm-hmm. that helped resolve it. Um, so, yeah, bystanders pay, play a huge role in, yep. in anything like that. And that's that's the purpose of the military. That's why it's one team, one fight, you know, all family type thing in the guard is because, you know, we got to be there, one, to correct people or put people in the right direction sometimes. But we're also there to protect our fellow soldiers and airmen. So, that being said, we are going to jump over to Sergeant First Class Allen and, and let him tell you more about the programs. So, today we have Sergeant First Class Chris Allen, the victim advocate for the 51st MP Battalion, and he is here to talk to us about the sexual assault response and prevention program. So, welcome. Thank you. Again, <laughs> it's good to have you back. <laughs> right. Um, so, could you tell us a little bit about the program? So, unfortunately, whenever we have incidents that happen in the unit when, when somebody is sexually assaulted. Uh, they have to have a, a way to be able to report that. So in every battalion, we have at least, the ideal is to have at least two victim advocates per battalion so that somebody can go to and report uh, what has happened. Um, there's two ways to do that. You know, the restricted way, when just you, your victim advocate, will know what's going on and the sexual assault response coordinator who is uh, Sergeant First Class Leslie Krause, will know what's going on, but nobody else will. Your chain of command won't know. The perpetrator won't know. And the key reason why we do the restricted is to, one, make sure that the victim has all the resources they need for treatment and counseling. But then you can also file unrestricted, which means that the perpetrator will be investigated and that punitive action, you know, will be taken and that your chain of command will know what's happening. So those your chain of command will then have the ability to address the situation that's happening inside the unit. So that's why we have victim advocates in each battalion. I thought you got something? No. no. <laughs> you got nothing. You got nothing on it. Um so now this is this this program, I guess in its entirety has been around from a while, but it has evolved a great deal over the years, and especially being part of the, I guess, the umbrella of the service member family care right. area. Um, 
I guess tell us some of the advantages, I guess, of how this, this new setup is with the, with this program. And then how does that reflect down to the unit level? Right. So as we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, we have lots of resources underneath the umbrella of service member family care. And the reason why it's good to have the sexual assault response office in, underneath that umbrella, <clears throat> when somebody has been sexually assaulted, as you can imagine, um, there's going to be other resources that that person may need. They may need counseling services. So we've talked about behavioral health specialists before. Um, if the if it happened in a military duty status to where it is a military sexual trauma, then you have the VA rep that would be able to help walk the service member through the, that process to make sure that the VA is is brought into their, their care network. Uh, some people feel... You know, they take a lot of guilt on themselves when they're the victim. So we've had victims that have expressed suicidal ideations. And so the suicide prevention office and the sexual assault prevention office are literally right next door to each other. Um, so there's, there's many uh, benefits that happen that come with everybody being in one location. And there's obviously representatives in each one of our centers around the state that you can gain access to that care network so you don't have to come to Columbia. And that's why it's good to have victim advocates across the state. So even though I'm, I'm based in Florence with the 51st MP Battalion, if a victim is here in Columbia and there's no other victim advocate close by, any victim advocate can take any report anywhere in the state. Or even if we're like at AT or even when we're deployed, Wherever we're at, we can function as a victim advocate, even for an outside unit. So that's, you know, it's, it's a, a network basically structured so that the victim has ample resources to, to make the report and get the care that they need. Now, for, um, for somebody that's out there that might uh, want to be part of this program, uh, what's the process? Is there training, schooling involved? So, so there is. Uh, the The Army has a SHARP program. It's a two-week course. Uh, the first week you talk about uh, sexual harassment. The second week you talk about sexual assaults and how to respond to each one. Because in the difference, you just, you know, a basic definition. So, so uh, sexual harassment are jokes, innuendos, treatment uh, that are... Just uh, they are discrimination, also with a sexual component to it. So if it's a, a harassment complaint, then each unit also has a an EO, equal opportunity representative in the unit, and so that's the person that would take that complaint. Um, once it becomes physical in nature, or implied or threatened physical in nature, that's whenever it crosses the line and goes into the sexual assault. Side. So if you're, you're touched uh, in a sexual manner, uh, unwanted, then you have the ability to report that. You do not have to. That's unacceptable behavior in regular society and especially in the military. Um, now, we, we've talked a lot around the, the workplace assault, violence, and stuff like that, but there is another realm where a lot of this takes place, and that's in the domestic area, right? Um, spouses and boyfriend, girlfriends, I guess. But y'all also deal with 
domestic violence related stuff too, correct? Oh, absolutely. So it's a lot of people don't realize this, but even spouses uh, can be victims of, of sexual assault. So, you know, we, as we talked about before, if it's sexual in nature and it's physical in nature and it's unwanted, then you have the ability to report that as a sexual assault. So even uh, married or unmarried partners, cohabitation, if you feel that you've been sexually assaulted, you have every right to report that. Um, but a lot of times, if it, even if it's not sexual in nature, if there's harassment, and especially if there's violence, so if there's um, physical violence happening in the home, that's also unacceptable behavior. And so, and unfortunately, a lot of times, sexual assaults, one of the precursors to that is being demeaned, being devalued as a human being, and then also, you know, the violence, physical violence against someone. So we want to prevent, you know, all of these uh, atrocities from happening, whether it's sexual assault or domestic violence. And so if they feel, you know, that that's what's happening in their, in their home, we don't want that to be hidden. We want that to be addressed, you know, sooner rather than later. Now, um, along with that, y'all actually work with uh, a couple groups on the domestic violence front, and y'all are actually having an event coming up here for too much longer right. to bring awareness. Right. So on the 30th of October, from uh, 9 to 11 o'clock, over here at the TAG Auditorium, we're having a domestic violence awareness forum. And the guest speaker is going to be Sheriff Leon Lott that's going to speak about domestic violence, talking about the resources that are, that are available through the Sheriff's Department. And then immediately following the forum is going to be a brunch uh, right afterwards. So, you know, that's we're trying to build this up as much as possible to get as many people to come out to the event as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, um, you know, good information. Then a little bonus of some, some snack food, brunch, like you mentioned. Right. Which would be good. Yeah. Um, but uh, along with this, um, I guess, dang it, I did it again. I'm real bad about that. Once we get going, I have a I have a question, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, I'm going for it, and then then it just it goes away into the ether. That's why it's nice that you have <laughs> control yeah, control over over but, how it gets but, edited. But uh, yeah, so with um, it was something specifically for the program, not the um. Oh, I remember where I was going with it. Now I'm, okay. I'm back on track. It it came back to me. <laughs> Um, we talk about, and obviously soldiers, airmen, we go through sharp training and sexual assault training and all that kind of stuff. Right. But we always talk uh, a lot about the people who are actually involved with the incident. The, the, I guess the individual that perpetrates the, the action the perpetrator, or whatever. Correct. The perpetrator, I guess that's the correct term. But, um, a what is mentioned in the training, I think people kind of glaze over is, but are the bystanders, that watch and do nothing in these situations. Well, and so with bystanders not standing up in that situation, a lot of it is due to lack of training. I mean, so we've talked about this before. You know, we have our, our annual events where we're doing all the training, but we're doing it all at one time. So it's easy for this training to not have a, a full effect 
because it's listed with 12 other trainings that you're going through. And so you're tired. And so your brain just cannot absorb as much as it needs. So we do this training every year to hopefully build that awareness up and, and to build that training in place. So part of it's training. Part of it is not understanding exactly what's happening and what, uh, what sexual assault is and how it can be prevented. Um, because from the outside, you may see what appears to be two consensual uh, adults just talking and having a good time. But uh, this, uh, if you feel, if your gut's telling you something's not right, that's the time to step in. If they're two consenting adults, then they'll you tell know, you we're good. They'll go tell down. you, <laughs> yeah, right. We're but good if, going if, down if, the road. But if not, then you know your buddy, your wingman is going to appreciate you stepping in. And if they're so, part of consent is also being able to 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 voice consent. Uh, so if you find you know your buddy has you know they're either tired or they've you know had alcohol their capacity will be diminished and so they may need somebody with a, a clearer mind outside of what's happening to step in and make sure i mean especially if your buddy is unconscious or your women's unconscious or if they're you know they have slurred speech they're too drunk to be able to even put you know words together to form a sentence um they're not able to consent and so that's whenever the bystander, they have to step in. You know, it's not do I, it's, it's you know, how am I going to do that? And so the best way is just to be, you know, up front. Say, you know, you, you're, you don't look well, or especially if they're unconscious, you know, take the, the perpetrator, you know, somewhere else and make sure the person is safe. You know, make sure that the, the victim or the potential victim so that they don't become victimized, you know, make sure that they're safe, get them the care that they need, you know, make sure if they need to go home that they get home safely. Uh, if, you know, if it's in another environment, just do what you can. Uh, don't just stand idly by, but actually step in and, and treat them like you'd want to be treated if you were in that same situation. And so for, for people that may not, not know how to do that at this in particular time, they can reach out to the vi victim advocates at the, the units as well back to the, the main SARC office here at the Bluff Forward Armory. I imagine y'all provide some well, level of instruction and teaching. Right, so even though we do the annual training, we're there. That's, that's another reason why we're embedded in the unit. You know, we have one SARC. That's Leslie Krause. Um, but she cannot cover, you know, 11,000 airmen and soldiers around the state. So the program is built to where the victim advocate is that local subject matter expert. Um, and if we don't have the answer, we're not going to make something up. We're going to contact uh, Ms. Krause and get the right answer and, and do whatever training that needs to be done. So it's not something that has to happen just once a year. You know, we have, uh, awareness months throughout, you know, the year that talk about this. You know, we've talked about other programs that, that have their month. That's just to bring the awareness, give you know, added attention to whatever topic we're talking about. This time we're talking about sexual assault and domestic violence. So that's why we do it. So that it's not just a one-time, you know, 30-minute or an hour brief that you get once a year. It happens, you know, throughout the year 
to build that that knowledge base. And we we keep using the the term obviously victim because that's that's what these people are in these situations. But um, there's still you know you hate to use the word stigma with the military, but there is a, I guess a stigma for victims and coming forward in these situations. Right. Um, I think South Carolina obviously does extremely good job with the buy-in from leadership, the whole service member family care package, the advocates out there. But just to kind of re- reassure the folks out there listening that this process is there to protect the victims, not, not, to, not right. to ridicule. Well, so, so there is stigma out there, right? Because especially when there's alcohol involved, you know, the, the victim was probably could be thinking, well, they're not going to believe me because I was drinking, they were drinking, I was drinking. And so they're not, I'm not going to be believed. Or it could be, you know, maybe they found themselves in a situation that they should not have been in. And so they don't want to come forward because they feel shame in the situation that they were in. But that's not, like you said, that's not the purpose of the program. The purpose of the program is to avail all resources to the victim. And we do use that term. I'm a victim advocate. Uh, They've been victimized. But the program is designed to take somebody who's been victimized and go from victim to survivor. Because, unfortunately, in our past, we have not treated victims with the respect uh, that they deserved. And that has uh, prolonged the victimization, the uh, re-victimization of the, uh, the person by law enforcement, by first responders, from family members, friends. Now, sometimes it's done unintentionally, you know, because we'll, you know, we'll ask questions whenever somebody has been victimized. You know, what were you wearing? What were you doing? What were you drinking? But at, at the end of the day, that does not matter. It doesn't matter what you were wearing. It doesn't matter what you were doing. What matters is somebody else other than you chose to, you know, get you either alone or put you in a, a situation where you're vulnerable and that they chose uh, to victimize you. So it's not about the victim. It's about the perpetrator. So we also don't, the, uh, another reason why we have the awareness program is so the potential perpetrators that are out there to educate everyone uh, to, but to educate the perpetrator on what uh, sexual assault is, how it's going to be looked at, and how it's going to be dealt with. Um, and the hope is that once they're aware of what right looks like, they won't go against that. Um, so just like with other programs we have, the hope is that eventually we'll get to zero, you know, among not just our society, but definitely, you know, in our units. Yeah, because, you know, you, you hear a lot of the uh, kind of stuff thrown out. You mentioned that, you know, what they were wearing or what they were doing. Um, and you hear a lot of the, I guess, um, stereotype uh, sayings go along with that. People like to throw out, you know, she they were asking for it or, you know, shouldn't have been there to begin with and things like that. And it's a, it's a redirection of blame. And like you said, it's 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 a point towards the perpetrator's to show them what is because on the perpetrator side, a lot of times you do hear, well, I didn't know. Right. And I couldn't tell. Right. And she was fine 
five minutes ago with that, or he was fine five minutes ago with that right. type thing. But if five minutes later that changes, then five minutes later is wrong. Absolutely. And, and you know, in today's um, day and age, the perpetrator or potential perpetrator, they will not be able to say, I did not know. Because when we teach the, the SHARP program every year, we talk about that. Consent. You know, it's not just a one-time thing. If they were, con- if they were consenting and changed their mind, you have the ability to change your mind. I mean, we change our minds all the time. This is not anything different. Or if we agreed and then we become incapacitated to where we cannot agree continually, that's a no. That's, you know, if they become incapacitated, if they fall asleep, if they pass out, if they become to where they cannot make rational decisions anymore, that's the time to stop what's happening. And if the person within themselves cannot stop themselves, the bystanders that are seeing this happening, it's up to them to step in and stop it from happening. Um, I know the the Army and I guess even probably the DOD as a whole has done fairly well with trying to update their material and stuff in this area and, right. and make it more engaging and more interesting to kind of get the point pro- across. And some of it's done in kind of – little bit of a satire tight way but it, it definitely drives the message home right. uh, as soon as we sat down i started thinking about one of the products i seen which was the whole tea mm-hmm. thing you know you want tea you don't want tea you know you right. don't give the person tea if they're passed out type thing right um and it seems humorous but the, the point it drives home by the end of it is excellent um but to kick back to another kind of a stigma related thing i think a lot of times when we automatically talk about sexual harassment and victims and stuff like that we kind of default to in our head that it's a, a female victim. Right. Um, I don't think that's unrealistic to say 90% of people kind of fall there, but there are still a lot of male victims in the military. And of course they kind of have a unique thing. I, I say unique, but their, their perspective, you know, there's a certain attack on the, I, I use air quotes, the macho thing that they, that, you know, they can't do, but you know, the programs for them also, when we say victims, it's right. not just females, it's, it's males, it's everybody and, involved in the situation. Right, and it's hard to put numbers to it and statistics to it because, you know, men are less likely to report, so our numbers are definitely skewed. Um, so we could say reported numbers, there are more women that report than men, but it's the unreported numbers that we'll never know. If it's unreported, we just don't know. So... The program is for everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. doesn't matter what your gender is, however you identify. One human being uh, is not meant to victimize another human being, however that is. I mean, we're talking about sexual assault, but we also talked about domestic violence. Yep. You know, a person has within them the expectation to be safe, Um most uh, reported assaults, you know the person. You know, over two-thirds of the folks that are, are victimized are victimized by somebody that they know. You know, whether it's a friend, a family member, co-worker, battle buddy, wingman. I mean, we, don't want, we don't like thinking like that, but the reported numbers show that we know the persons, you know, who are perpetrating these, these crimes out there. So we have to, you know, be aware. We have to have open dialogue. 
uh, with those around us. And we have to ensure that the, the training's out there. I mean, that's why we have this. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we do our training in our units. Um, because it's, unfortunately, it's not going away. Um, so we have to be vigilant when we get the, these messages out there to the units. And that, uh, a little something for uh, the perpetrators in this situation. If, if, if you haven't paid attention during <clears throat> the training and, and things like that, the leadership has a zero tolerance policy when it comes to this. So there isn't a whole lot of room for negotiating your way through these situations. And right. I, that's what y'all put well, out. And, and, you know, you're talking about um, zero tolerance. So it goes, you know, I'm looking at here at the continuum of harm that we teach, you know, in the program. So very seldom, if ever, will a perpetrator, you know, go right from not having any thoughts of harming someone immediately to a sexual assault. You know, so, you know, we're talking about in the training, um, 100% is like a completely healthy environment. Like everyone treats everybody with respect. We talk, you know, civil to each other. We do all the right things. Um, as that starts to get degraded is whenever we talk about sexual harassment, you know, the innuendos, the joking, the demeaning, the demoralizing, uh, the picking on. Uh, and then it goes, when it crosses the line to physical, you know, it might be just unwanted touching. It might be, you know, leaning up against somebody. It might be blocking, you know, their exit out of a room. And then it goes to sexual assault. So when we talk about zero tolerance, and the reason why some people will probably get bent out of shape whenever, you know, we're trying to cut out all the jokes and the horseplay and all that because it starts somewhere. And if you allow the little things to happen, well, then they think it's okay to take the next step. And then when they take the next step and nothing happens and it just goes on. I mean, so that continuum of harm, zero tolerance means we're stopping it at the earliest point that we can. Um, now, we're not with each other 24-7, but when we find ourselves in a situation, even when we think nobody else is in the room and can hear what's happening and being talked about, that's when we need to stop it at its very earliest earliest moments. Yeah, yeah, very true. And, and, that, and I mean, that's, that's the way it has to be dealt with. Because like you said, people will continue to escalate the situation until it's, it's out of control. Right. Um, now I noticed you, you flipping through and this is, this is the actual training that you've got sitting over here in front right. of you for, for the program and stuff. Um, what, uh, there we go again. I had a question about the training. Help me out here. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we could talk about, so the different types of, uh, situations that we might find ourselves. So there's, you know, categories of sexual harassment. So there's verbal nonverbal and physical contact. So, you know, verbal is what we talked about, the jokes, the innuendos, the uh, co commenting on somebody based on how they're dressed or about their sexuality. Uh, the other nonverbal, maybe you're not saying anything, but you're, you know, oogling somebody in a manner that's not appropriate. They don't see what's happening. You're doing this behind their back. That's not acceptable. Um, and then the physical contact, the, the touching. So even if it's not overtly sexual in nature from the outside, 
if the perpetrator feels that it's sexual in nature, that's unwanted, you know, sexual contact. Yeah. And then, so then it starts, you know, going from harassment to assault. So the physical contact, uh, the uh, quid pro quo, where if you do this for me, I'll make sure this happens for you. So that's abuse of, of power, whether it's, you know, in the chain of command or perceived power, perceived authority, and then hostile environment. So you, and this affects the victims and it affects the bystanders, right? So when there's an environment where it is looked down upon to talk about uh, sexual assaults or sexual harassments or reporting, you know, if they say things like, you don't want to hurt the team, you don't want to hurt the unit, we can handle this in-house, that's a bad place to be, and that's a, a hostile work environment. So that's what we're trying to squash at its earliest level. Nothing good comes from you know keeping horrible actions and uh, other things that happen in the unit quiet. The best thing is just to bring light to the situation. And then if it is an innocent situation... That will come out, you know, through the investigation. But, you know, you don't know until you actually look at it from all angles. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's obviously very serious. There's a lot of stuff involved in it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a good program, and it's something that everybody needs to be aware of, needs to participate in. Uh, you kind of mentioned how, you know, they said, oh, we'll take care of it in-house. It hurts the team, which is actually the kind of the opposite truth to it is is, is when this stuff's allowed to fester right. and continue. That's when you start seeing the breakdown of morale and effectiveness, effectiveness of the units and then, of course, the whole state if it becomes systemic. So, I mean, this is obviously not only is it a, a program for the victims and the perpetrators, but this is something – you know, obviously for the commanders and stuff like that to, to buy into to make sure that, you know, unit morale and effectiveness stays where where it should be. So it, along with it being an education, it's a tool also also oh, for, for oh, everybody. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so to have a healthy unit, you want, you know, a good working environment because you have to trust each other with your lives, basically. And so if it comes down to just education – and you're preventing somebody from committing uh, a sexual assault crime because you've educated them, even that person is more the better. Uh, that's probably not the correct yeah. English to... But we'll go with but, it. But we'll go well, with this it. Free, but, free, but, free. But, It'll be more the better. Okay, so they, they will not commit the crime. The victim will not be victimized. And so you have a healthy environment. The uh, potential victim knows that things are going to be squashed at its earliest level and the potential perpetrator is now wiser than what they were before. And so now they're not going to go. The hope is right. When we're trained that we, that we do the right thing and the vast majority of service members, when they're trained, they do the right thing, but you still have a a portion of the population that won't do the right thing, but the training, you know, keeps honest people honest. Yeah. Um, so let's go to some contact information on this now okay. for, so let's, let's, let's do some figure out stuff. Um, if you're looking for a victim advocate at your unit level, who's the, who's the person you should go ask or who would know at the unit level? So at the unit level, I mean, the readiness and training, uh, NCOs, the, the 
administrative officers in the unit will know because those are the ones who, you know, start the selection process. You mentioned a little bit earlier, we didn't delve into it, but the victim advocate is chosen, you know, by the unit, by the chain of command. Uh, you have to have your battalion commander, you know, you're on a, an appointment order to be a victim advocate. That appointment order allows you then to go to victim advocate training. And then uh, every two years, you have to have 32 continuing education units to keep you certified as a victim advocate. So it's not just a one and done training. It's a continual process. When the chain of command changes, your appointment order has to change. Uh, every three years, your packet then has to go well, when you become a victim advocate, your packet has to go up and a background check is performed and you and you go through school and then you become a victim advocate. Well, every three years after that, that same packet has to go back up. Your command has to reappoint you. They have to, you don't have to go back to school as long as you're maintaining your, your credit hours. So whenever you submit that packet, it has your continuing edu- education unit paperwork in there. It goes back up, it gets reapproved, comes back down. You get, you know, a new certificate every three years to, you know, keep you uh, up to date on all the latest uh, trends and teachings for victim advocates. Okay, and then so for moving from the unit level of victim advocates, uh, let's talk uh, more of the state level. Obviously, the actual SARC office, right? Um, is this also the same hotline number? So, so there's there's two numbers. To okay. contact uh, Sergeant First Class Leslie Krause, Ms. Krause, as your SARC, uh, her number is 803-727-2413. And she has a, a government cell phone. She's on call 24-7 because she's the only one that we have. <laughs> uh, but you also have a DOD safe helpline, all branches, all services. And that number is 877 877- Nine nine five five two four seven eight seven seven nine nine five five two four seven. Okay, yeah, and just uh, once one more time, just to to recap it uh, on the thirtieth of this month, uh, Tag Auditorium starting at oh nine hundred. Oh nine hundred. Oh nine hundred. Um, Sheriff Lott's going to be with us. Yep. And we're going to have some brunch. Absolutely. And we're going to learn about domestic violence and hopefully how to deter. That from well, how to deter it and then what resources are out there and what for, resources for our are community so good stuff good stuff to know um like we said before if you want to learn more about this program or you need a refresher on the education get in touch with the victim advocates um miss krause uh your, yourself for for your unit uh, and as always we we appreciate you coming by sharing all this information with you always you always bring top level stuff when you come over it's always important stuff great and i, I like your i like your new and improved setup yeah so. it's, it, this is this is outstanding this is awesome uh some some people cared and 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 helped us out so we said thank you to them before but we'll take the opportunity to say thank you again so. all right all right thank you sir thank you so i'm glad that sergeant first class allen was able to come in and talk to us about the program yep it's uh He's going to be kind of a regular on our show. I know, which is good. I mean, he's got he covers a lot of he covers a lot of ground for sure. Yeah, a lot of important information and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like I said, the fact that once again we talked about it briefly before we got into his interview, but the fact that the whole 
three or four months after the holidays mm-hmm. is when all that kind of stuff kind of kicks in because of, I guess, separation, realizing, you know, you had family around, you don't have family around now. Um, thought that was, that was interesting. I would have never. I would have never guessed that, but it completely makes sense. I, I mean, know. looking at it from what he was talking about, like, it completely makes sense that some people, like, get their family drives them nuts and they're like, Oh, I can't stand being around them. But then other people, because they don't have them around that often. I mean, look at me, I'm from Pennsylvania. And so I oh, hardly yeah, ever get to see my family. <laughs> I mean, I think we covered it. Oh, okay. My bad. But I mean, like I live miles away, so it's yeah. not like I can just drive four hours up to Greenville if I'm in Charleston or right. go here. I mean, it makes it a lot harder. So when you're around your family, you realize what you're missing. And then when they're gone, you feel alone so i mean it's sad but it it does happen right um and then that's where we come in you know the rest Mm -hmm. of the guard family exactly we're all here for each other we're all here for each other and i think that's the big point and and being able to recognize these situations and make sure you have the education and be aware of it um definitely if you have time uh the domestic uh, domestic violence event that they're having um here at the tag auditorium um definitely if you have time uh, if you can make time uh come by and, and stop and check that out just you know once again increased awareness and find out about some of the tools mm-hmm. and uh options that are out there for people who may be dealing with it or have dealt with it or if you're concerned with somebody who you think might be dealing with it um it all sounds like it's going to be really good uh quality information yep Well, I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And we'll catch you in the next episode.